Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with veteran jazz pianist Chris Keefe. We discussed his new 2023 CD called Opening, and on this project he invited two superb musicians to join him, and bassist Harvey S. and drummer Adam Nussbaum. We cover this album, his career, post-COVID life, and so much more. Over a long and good career, he has performed across North America in clubs, venues, and festivals, and it continues with so much more happening. Enjoy the story. Cool. Hey, it's great to meet you, man. Thanks for taking a minute out for Neon Jazz today. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, you bet. So before we get into your new album opening, I want to know, you know, we went through quite a thing with COVID, you know, looking at the calendar right now with March, it's kind of PTSD for a lot of people. And I'm curious how you survived that time period and how it's changed the way that you approach your life and music now. Honestly, it didn't change that much for me at the time. At the time, I was uh, doing a master's degree at Manhattan School of Music, and a lot of the stuff went online. I, I, that was consuming, and a lot of my uh, teaching commitments went online as well. So I know for a lot of people, it, it was a big thing. It was um, it it wasn't it wasn't too bad for me. I was able to keep a lot of my work and. It, it changed, uh, and, and I'm certainly glad that we're out of that and um, back to normal in the sense that, that I'm not teaching online and you can go to gigs and stuff like that. But um, this, this new album, how does it feel now with things opening up, warm weather's on the horizon, just a, a new material? How does, it, how does it feel overall for you? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with how it came out. Um, it, it took a while to... to do this and get it out, but um, I'm happy with the sound, and uh, yeah, I even, you know, starting to think about doing another record at some point. Well, and that's the, that's the thing about, you know, being a journalist and covering these things, is typically by the time we start talking about this release, the musicians moved on to the next thing, mm. Mm. you know, so... Right. Talk, talk to me about how artistically you put this project together. How did it come together? What was your vision? Well, I, I had the opportunity to, to play a bit with Harvey, um, and we had a little thing going for a little while, um, playing mostly duo. And um, I just asked him, I said, I'd like to do a trio uh, record with you. And Adam's name came up right away. And, uh, you know, we got together a few times and then went into the studio. So um, that's how it came about. And, um, yeah, so it was kind of nice to – what I've always found over the years is that it's nice – I've had some opportunities over the years to record that I've actually turned down, and I, I always wanted to have, like, a, a, little, a small body of work that we're working on that, that, that the band is playing. It's the same guys every week or whatever, and we get to just kind of dive deeper into the material. And um, – a lot of times that's hard to do with uh, just the nature of the work that comes out. You might have a couple gigs with someone, and then you don't play with them again for a year or something like that. So, so I knew I knew that this was a time to 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 get it documented, right? Because of uh, we had been playing together for a little while. So, so, so uh, yeah. So, what's your hope for the listener? What do you hope they get from this album? I think my music is, uh, it's changed over the years, um, and there's 
not earlier documentation of it, but still, uh, I, I think I have a, a lyrical kind of melodic thing happening, uh, sense of swing, um, and th those uh, aesthetics are important for me. Yeah, they have been and continue to be. So, um, so mm -hmm. let's go back to your beginnings of here, how this jazz journey began for you. Talk to me a little bit about how you got into the jazz world and who were some early influences for you? Really, I mean, it goes back to, you know, when I was playing piano in junior high school, I was, uh, there was a period where I was into Billy Joel and Elton John. And, uh, and after that, uh, like Harry Connick came out and he was on the, uh, on MTV or VH1 or something. And it wasn't completely foreign to me because I had a piano teacher that was kind of feeding me little jazz things. So what he was doing um, actually made sense, kind of resonated with me, something that I was hearing. And it was on VH1. I Actually, truthfully, going back before that, um, even as young as sixth, seventh grade, I think, um, well, I started to play the piano in sixth grade, fifth grade, I'm sorry. But, you know, that was a time we, we had the hair bands, right? The, uh, heavy metal stuff or hard rock. And a lot of those bands, you know, now I, I can't believe I listened to them, but what was going on? A lot of times they had really cool guitar solos that were over simple forms, right? So it kind of made sense to me early on, this idea of, um, theme and embellishment that was happening, right? So, like, I remember liking, uh, C.C. DeVille's solos in, on Poison <laughs> albums, right? But, but I was young, and, and it made sense. And then later on, now I still listen, like, sometimes I listen to Guns N' Roses, and I like the Slash guitar solos, right? But, you know, there was a period after that where I noticed with kids and other uh, students coming up that where, where you didn't have that. You didn't have the uh, embellishment over a simple song form in something, I guess, somewhat it doesn't seem abstract to me, but something over it where it's like you have two things going on in your head at once, right? So uh, I don't know that that's always been the case in um, popular music, whatever's popular at the time. But yeah, there was that little window for me where, where there, there were a lot of guitar solos like that. And it just, so it kind of, it was kind of natural because again, I was being fed some ideas and piano lessons. I was in jazz band and uh, uh, high school or junior high school, so so the stuff was starting to make sense. But really, uh, later on, it was like Keith Jarrett at first, yeah, Keith Jarrett and Herbie Hancock, and that was around uh, my senior. That was my senior year in high school, yeah. So, what was the very first live show, jazz show that you witnessed that blew you away? Well, the very first one was um, Monty Alexander um, trio um, at a place called Trumpets in New Jersey. It's no longer there. Um, uh, I think the first one that really blew me away was the first time I heard Brad Meldow, which was in 1999 at, in, uh, at Scullers in Boston. His trio came in, and that time period of his music, I, I just really liked those records that came out around that time still to this day. So of all of the facets that go into being a musician, you know, from recording to playing live and everything behind the scenes that we don't necessarily get to see, 
what is it that you like the best about being a professional musician? You know, I really love, well, performing's great, um, but I really love learning new things, right? And uh, that's often an uh, introspective process, kind of a slow process. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's what I like doing is getting up in the morning and doing, learning to do something that I, I can't do already, you know. Um, like this morning I woke up um, before talking to you and I was practicing Beethoven, you know. I've been doing that for a couple of days. Um, so that's, it's just, I, I love learning new stuff. Stuff that's not in my fingers, not in my ears in some ways, yeah. So why do you love that? Mm, I mean, other than the obvious improvisation element, I, I can't really say. Um, I mean, I, I, I like the swing music or the swing feel, uh, but, um, you know, I guess, I guess this idea of some kind of abstraction that's not really abstract to me, but um, being able to embellish in something going on on top of something that's already there. So as, as an educator, you know, there was a fear over this pandemic that the world of jazz, there was a lot of musicians that were possibly going to leave, and there just the fact that there was going to be kind of a diminished population, but it seems like the opposite has happened. How strong do you think jazz is in America in 2023? The standpoint that you're, from an academic standpoint, I mean, I, there's a lot of programs, right? There have been for a while, like all over, I mean, Used to, there used to be just, you know, half a dozen programs in um, the U.S. And, of course, there's a lot more going on now in colleges all over. Um, I think, yeah, there's a lot more interest. Also, there was a, there was a big uh, gap between my uh, master's and my bachelor's degree. And so seeing the younger students come in when I was doing my master's, they're just, the love, I mean, the level is very high. And, um, yeah, so I think it's, jazz is doing well, yeah. So of all of the players that are out there, who would you love to see in the realm of modern jazz live? Oh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't understand the question. I, who have you not seen? What musician or group have you not seen in the realm of modern music right now that you would love to see live? Um, I've seen the Keith Jarrett Trio three times. Um, but I, I always, I wish I was around in the eighties, I could say, or the seventies when he was playing in little clubs because it, you know, I love the, the trio recordings. Um, but, and the sound is always great on them, but when you're at Carnegie hall or at Disney hall, it's just not the same sound that you hear on the record. And it would be a completely different experience hearing that in like a small room, like, uh, the village Vanguard or like his record that he did in the 90s from the Deerhead Inn, something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, people that I heard have heard in New York that uh, I haven't really checked out their records, but it, and a lot of amazing players that I don't um, haven't checked out their albums. It's kind of like a reverse thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Chris, everyone out there has a perception of you, an idea of who they think you are, your family, your friends, your fans, but ultimately you live your life. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Yeah, I'll go back to what what I said uh, a few minutes ago. Um, I 
enjoy learning new things uh, every day. And as an educator, I want to teach others how to feel that way about what it doesn't even have to be music, right? could be outside of music, just um, working hard at something and getting better at something can be a lot of fun, right? And uh, that's ultimately what I like to do and what I try to communicate to others. Right on. Chris, hey, thank you for opening up. Thanks for talking about the new material in your life and music, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. So thanks for having me again, and uh, talk to you next time. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest cats in Boston, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Chris for his time, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more interviews, you can find Neon Jazz archives at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe to us at YouTube. And for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.